Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently while watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keen. I was dared to do this. And today we're discussing Saturday Night Live. It's episode. a bonus episode. It is a bonus episode. Yeah, see, I'm forgetting what the actual thing. Uh, <coughs> I'll, I'll abandon the Don Pardo impression. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, today we're we're talking about episode one of season twenty three of Saturday Night Live, hosted by Sylvester Stallone, starring the cast of Saturday Night Live: Jim Brewer, Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, Daryl Hammond, Chris Kattan, Norm Macdonald, Tim Meadows, Tracy Morgan, Sherry O'Terry, Colin Quinn, and Molly Shannon, hosted by Sylvester Stallone with musical musical guest Jamiroquai, which we will not be talking about, and special guest Richard Jewell. <laughs> Which was a surprise to me. That was a surprise to me, and I was, uh, I almost, no, I'm not, I almost did a bad pun of blown away. I, but I honestly. You didn't actually was, do it, so I think you're, you're, you're okay. You can, you're safe to make those puns. Okay, I guess so. I don't remember anything like that ever being on Saturday Night Live. No, it's very strange. It's super surreal. It's, uh, I mean, we'll get to that part. We're just going to kind of go through the, the sketches yeah. as we watch them. We weren't able to watch the whole episode. So as I remember, when you first suggested this as a bonus episode, you had seen this episode either when it aired or sometime after that. Yeah. I'd never seen this before. Yeah, I've definitely had seen it. There were a couple sketches that stuck in my mind. Um, and for a long time, I had... The sketches that I liked from this episode bookmarked, not even necessarily because it was Stallone, because, you know, obviously the Rocky fan that I am, there's a certain, you know, I have a certainly, certain, and they certainly lean on Rocky in this episode. Yeah, they do. Some, in some ways that I do not appreciate at all. We'll get to it. I'm going to guess the opening. Yes, but more of the, the Roxbury. The, nice, the Roxbury. <laughs> I'll explain. Right. No, but I, I think I probably watched it. You know, I liked Saturday Night Live, even though this, this was at a time when it was not really high, highly regarded. No. The first couple of years of the Will Ferrell cast, that I, I remember distinctly all the, the articles and, like, think pieces about how, like, oh, this is the de- Saturday Night Dead, more like. You know, it was all yeah. that stuff of, like, this cast is terrible. They're going to kill the show. Obviously, it's, it's going on as many years since this episode then from the beginning, because this was 97, yeah. so we're 22 years later, and this is season 23, so almost. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. In this episode, they referenced that Rocky was 21 years ago, yeah. and now it's been 22 years since the Saturday Night Live episode. It, it definitely makes me feel old. Here's, here's a question before we get into this episode mm-hmm. of Saturday Night Live. What is the last episode of Saturday Night Live you remember watching when it aired? I'm going to guess you've seen one well after the fa- the time that I have, but... It's been a long time. I, not in the last 10 years. It's, it probably has been somewhere around the feral years. It was a year probably after. It was probably like 99 or 2000 is the last time I've seen an episode of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Two, I mean, or Maybe 2001. I, I definitely have watched episodes. I don't know if I would, would be able to say who hosted it or if there was anything memorable in it. I'm not sure I could tell you more than like three cast members in the last 20 years. No, you you could. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Barry is like that when he came on, came in in like two thousand three or four or something like that. That's when the show started to get really good again. I I, I was watching a lot during that period. Um, I definitely enjoyed Bill Hader. Who yeah, I, Bill Hader. Thank you. I, I did enjoy. I'm not sure I watched a lot of episodes though when he was on it. Um, I, I can pick, I'm obviously, I, it's well established how bad with names I am, so I can't remember any of the names of the cast. I can, uh, um, what's her name? Who's on Upright Citizens Brigade? Um, Amy Prohler. Amy Prohler. Never watched any episode she was on. Really? Yeah. She was great on SNL. That, that cast was very good. Well, so I, I watched I know quite a, lot a bit from then. Th- I know a lot from that cast went on to do bigger things after that, so I'd imagine they must have been somewhat successful. Yeah. In particular, Amy Prohler and Tina Fey in particular. And Tina Fey, yeah. Right. I guess uh, Jimmy Fallon was near the end of the Will Ferrell years. Not that I, he, I thought he was great, but you know he overlapped with that that bunch a lot. It was. It was. Please the, don't talk no, about Jimmy Fallon. I wasn't I bringing him up as an example of a good cast member. Thank you. It was just I was just trying to think of who was on when In I was watching era. regularly. Yeah. So it's been a long time for it's, you too. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know who would have hosted. I don't know if I even really care. Yeah. I know Jennifer Love Hewitt was an episode from the early two thousands because I, I I will sometimes bring up the sketch of the let's make it happen where they have to pitch crazy movie ideas. Oh. Spin, <laughs> you have told me that one. That's an. I don't know if the sketch was actually funny, but the concept is hilarious. They spin a wheel and they have to pitch. So I know that was later than the Stallone episode. So yeah. that's probably the last host I could name. That was probably wow. two thousand or two thousand one yeah. or something like that. I. 
certainly at a loss here. But yeah. and and this would have been around the time that I still would have been interested. I mean, ninety seven, we were in high school. Definitely the years the cast before this in like the early nineties. Absolutely, I was all about Saturday Night Live. Yeah, well, this was September ninety seven. You corrected me after last the last show. We would have been going into college. Yes, that is correct. So I probably watched this from my dorm room while unpacking my bags. Basically, like it was the beginning of the school year. Yeah, and I I. Do not remember, did not see this, so I don't know if it just happened to be that episode or if I was just kind of over Saturday Night Live by, by the time we got to college. I, don't well, know. I mean, this is before even DVRs, so it's like, if you miss it, you miss it. Pretty much. That's the way TV used to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there were two sketches in particular that I remembered, I would, I, to get back to that, I, I had them bookmarked on YouTube until the point when NBC went all draconian and took everything. It, it's, it's infuriating to me that we can't watch the full episode. You know, I mean, I understand taking them off YouTube. They want to monetize their own content. Yeah. I get it. But, you know, we, we briefly talked about it before the show, but NBC is doing their streaming service, and that's why it's impossible to find Saturday Night Live because they're planning to put it on their streaming service, which is not yet available. At least for a year and a half, I think. So it's it's literally, we had to find piecemeal. They've got, they've got clips on their website, which are ad-supported, which is fine, but we had I was had a lot of frustration getting the things to play. <laughs> I find it interesting you're telling our listeners that was fine because that was not your reaction as we were watching oh, I was them. very annoyed. I, I'm annoyed by the fact that there are, there are sketches. We have gaps. I wanted to... When we started this podcast... Hey, you know, we each got gaps. You know, got, you fill gaps. But we didn't fill the gaps. <laughs> Someone needs to come along and fill the gaps. <laughs> because when we when we started Arms Race, and we put together a list, here's all the episodes, here's the movies we're going to cover, here's some potential bonus episodes. And I put Saturday Night Live on here. Oh, he hosted, I know he hosted a Saturday Night Live episode. I remembered that. I put it on the list as possible. When I put that on this list... Amazon.com had the episodes available to rent for two bucks. You could watch rent each episode individually for two bucks. They have been pulled off of Amazon.com because NBC has plans to have their streaming service. Okay, fine. Wait until you, their streaming service is up, then pull it all. I, I, I wanted to watch the whole episode in context. I wanted to see that Jamiroquai episode, uh, performance. I know you don't care. I like Jamiroquai. I want to see the episode. Here's, I, I do not understand. Being the person who is maybe of the two of us more uh, business-oriented... I don't understand the logic of you're at least monetizing it in the interim. Yeah, exactly. Are you right? Are you two bucks? Fine. Say no, two bucks isn't enough. Two fifty. Whatever the number is, it makes no sense to pull it from Amazon prior to you having your service up and running. That is totally illogical. Well, no, they need to build up the demand. They've got to <laughs> spend a year of, of getting this pent up demand. No, so see, that- I, I don't want to get too much into that, but that's actually what's maddening and infuriating to me. Of things disappearing. No, what winds up happening? I, I just had this discussion about, ironically enough, that Blockbuster basically doesn't exist anymore. The generation of my kids and my like nieces and nephews, there's a whole like host of movies that I don't think they even know exists because there's nowhere for them to get it if it's not on a streaming service. And it's well, that's your job now. No, you, okay. You've got to fill that gap. But I'll fill that gap, but that's only because I'm kind of crazy, and I kept the 400 DVDs that I assembled you know, back in the 90s and 2000s. It's infuriating me, like, oh, it, the pent-up demand? If people don't know it exists, it just dies, and it's sure. like it doesn't exist. Yeah. That's it, maddening to me. Sorry about getting off topic. That's fine. It's, it, it's, it, curation it, is a real problem, especially no, on like Netflix. It, yeah, it absolutely that's why, is. That's why I drop my Netflix. It's just like, there's a million things to watch, and I can't find anything. The, I don't know what's here. I don't know what's available. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it is rough. And there's and there's things that there are great movies that are going to fall out of like public knowledge because you can't find them anywhere. Well, I, I trust that you know the, the culture will keep important movies alive. Well, I, I'm certainly going to do my part as best as I can. As long as things are available somewhere, that's all. That's my whole, only point. That's the thing that was frustrating about this. Long and short of it is, I wish we had done this. The last break we had after after was it still up? It was still up. Oh, that's a bummer. And then of course we decided to do it, and I went like, okay, I'm gonna go to the Amazon, and I'm gonna nope, that's gone. (laughs) The the page is still there, and it just says unavailable. Like, come on, NBC, (laughs) file not found. Anyway, that's enough. That's that whole thing is just to point out we couldn't watch the full episode. We only were able to watch clips that were available on NBC.com in clip form or bootleg ad support. Yes, or bootlegged on. uh, It's not Daily Motion. Where did I find these on Meta Cafe? A couple of these are on Meta Cafe, <laughs> including one that, that I had never seen and that you said you definitely remembered, and I can understand why well, it's there, memorable. There are two sketches that I I very strongly remembered. 
Well, like I said, I had them bookmarked on YouTube for all yeah. for years before they disappeared off of YouTube. So I would watch them frequently. Uh, do you want to start uh, talking about the episode? Yeah, let's let's dive right in. So I've got a this is a SNL transcript site that is like document every Saturday Night Live. So we can go through the stuff that we missed. So the opening sketch, the cold open sketch, which we did not see, it is actually on NBC.com, and I clicked it and file not found. It, it <laughs> literally broken. It's so frustrating. Anyway, we've got to stop talking about this. Um, there's a, there's a cold open where uh, uh, Tim Meadows as Oprah Winfrey interviews Norm Macdonald as Marv Albert, and this is after the uh, all the scandal broke. <laughs> yes, in. yes. Um, I remember that sketch being funny, but unfortunately we couldn't find it. We couldn't. Yeah, that's find a it. bummer. Uh, I would it, like to see a Norm Macdonald Marv Albert. Actually, it's pretty good. He's a, he does a good Marv Albert. He's a big sports fan, so it makes sense that he would He'd be able he would have a good Marv Albert. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, we've got Stallone's opening monologue. Yeah, I don't blame him. It was not strong. Yeah, so so he's doing a monologue, and then Jim Brewer shows up as Mickey and tells him he's doing a terrible job. You gotta, because it's, it's all about, it's interesting to see this and see the time that Stallone hosted where he's very clearly trying to change his image yes. to the point where he's talking about it in his monologue. Yep. Um, it's a little too, like, you, you can tell that the only reason Stallone did this is because he thought it would help his career and thought it would help him pivot to something being, going back to being a more dramatic actor, a character actor. This is a period in his, in his career when he was trying to get away from action movies. He made Copland. He's just promoting Copland in this yep. episode. So you can tell that that's a thing that's on his mind. I think he probably pitched this. Like, I want to do a sketch about how you know everyone thinks of me as this meathead, but I'm actually very, you know, intelligent. I'm versatile, want, right. Exactly. Yeah. So as we were watching it, I didn't remember this cast uh, for the most part at all. And as we were watching it, I'm like, that sketch. So you've got Jim Brewer uh, playing Mickey. I'm like, that is a poor man's Bill Hader. I'm like, if Bill Hader was on this cast, he would have been able to knock Mickey out of the park. Yeah. It still might not have been funny, but he would have done a way better Mickey. He killed it. Jim Brewer is, I've never thought he was funny. No. He, he he overdoes everything. Yes. In both sketches he appears in, he's overdoing it. Way over the top. And that, that's really what I, broad. What I remember, you know what's funny is he's kind of a combination, as I remember, the little bit I remember about Jim Brewer. The over-the-topness, but not nearly as funny while doing it, of Jim Carrey, and then the impressions, he is a poor man's Bill Hader. So he's not, yeah. he, he, he's those two components, but he's not nearly either one of them. There's a real air of desperation to every Jim Brewer performance. He's just like, because his, his impression of Mick is just like, what are you doing? And he's just really, yes. he's, you can tell he's trying so hard, and it's just like, you know, you can't try that hard. You can't look no. that desperate. I, I wish Bill Hader was on the cast because something tells me he would have done a perfect yeah. Burgess Meredith. But on the, on the flip side of that, uh, Tracy Morgan as Mr. T is kind of funny. He, he, just, he just shows up and yells at, at Stallone. I kind of wish, though, having seen those mis- that Mr. T song that, and knowing what Key and Peele did with it, oh, yeah. I kind of wish that they, Tracy Morgan would have known to have parodied that a little bit in that sketch. Well, this predates Key and Peele. You know? this is, I mean, well, it predates it, Key and Peele, but what I'm saying, knowing that those music videos existed to maybe zing Mr. Oh, T sure. a little bit. It was, I mean, it was not the point of the sketch, because no. I mean, it's, it's the monologue anyway, so yeah. it's not even really a sketch. No. You can always tell on SNL when they don't trust the host, because they th- throw things like this in the monologue. It's like, yeah. this, this, this uh, host cannot... Hold the screen for three minutes alone. We've got to help this person out. So yeah, there's a hundred percent. Um, I mean, I don't think Stallone is was a bad host. No, he, he holds it, his own. He holds his own. He, it was. Ba- I was afraid it was going to be Rhinestone. Sure. No, or even the Muppet Show. Like that's oh, yes. that's the other variety show he had done. And that was, that was not good. This was much better than that. Yeah, I think so. Too. I think some the cast helped him a little bit. Or helped him a little bit on it, and some of the sketches, the writing on it, I think helped him. But yeah. he did hold his own, and there were some times he was funny. Probably my favorite one was the one that was more at his expense, though, and it was really the cast that was carrying. Yeah, we'll get there soon. Yeah. Let's, uh, so after this, there's a commercial parody, which luckily was available. Uh, the Xerox Asjet 790. Which is, I'm going to put that up there, honestly, of one of the best commercials I've ever seen on Saturday Night Live. It's pretty good. That yeah. was outstanding. I do remember this very vividly also. So I guess there's three sketches I remember. This is one I think they would play a lot. Like This this probably, sketch probably showed up five times this season, so I don't even know. Really? Oh, I yeah, didn't, they, they would do that with the commercials a lot. They would replay them. I didn't know. I didn't remember that. I always thought that the commercials were unique. No, I don't think so. Uh, there, there are a few commercials from Saturday Night Live that still to this day, one of them actually I don't think could be made today, that 
just stick out in my mind. I'm gonna this this one will forever now stick in, out in my mind too. <laughs> it's a printer that's specifically designed. It's an ad, and the the pitch is it's it's designed to copy your ass in. Because they have some like competitor, and they're like, "Well, this it's it's a wonderful copier, but can I copy your ass?" And then Jim Brewer tries to sit it, and he falls through. <laughs> he falls through and breaks the glass, yeah. which was a nice touch. So no, you got to get the Ass Jet Seven Ninety, which has the grooves specifically for your ass. And I, some of it is Will Ferrell really selling it, but everybody in it is pretty good because there's a look of disdain on Tim Meadows' face. He doesn't even have any lines. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But when, when the, the competitor's copy comes out and he looks at it, he just has this look of disdain on his face <laughs> and shaking his head like, that's terrible. Poor quality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't remember what, because uh, uh, yeah, Will Ferrell's, Ferrell's doing the, the voiceover. The, the pitch man, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a pretty good one, even though it's pretty short. Uh, then moving on, oh, Rita, Rita Del Vecchio. So you seem to, to recognize, this is a recurring character, I assume. It didn't really ring a bell for me. I'm sure we could look it up. I Oh, it says right here, recurring characters, Rita Del Vecchio. So I vaguely, some of it was more of that I was not, by any stretch, a Sherry O'Terry fan. So I did see some of her. I don't know if it would have been this season or not. Yeah, I, I was never a huge fan. So some of it was that, but I do vaguely remember that character. I wouldn't have been able to tell you her name, though. Okay. See, I, I I agree. She is kind of the female Jim Brewer in a lot of ways. Yes. Just too broad and just you know, you know, a little bit you know of desperation. She, she to is the she does. she's the poor woman's Amy Proler. No, I didn't necessarily. I don't remember seeing Amy Proler on Saturday Night Live, but I'm going knowing what she's, she's done so on Parks Better. Though. I yes, but okay. what I'm saying is that I think Sherry O'Terry is in many ways. I think not trying to be because Amy Proler came after her, but I. To me, I don't know. I, I would associate word association. That's what, who I would have associated the kind of the the poor version of Amy Poehler. I probably would have come up with Sherry O'Terry. Amy Poehler has a like confidence. Like at no point do I have ever seen a sketch or a movie she's in and just be like, oh, she's really like struggling. You know what I mean? I mean, she did. That's true. She had been doing because I knew her from the Upright Citizen Brigade, Brigade which yes. I loved in college. You I introduced me to it and with I, that show. Everybody on that cast. Was outstanding. Yeah, and have most of them gone gone on to do big things. Matt Walsh definitely did, and he's the one in Veepers. That Veep, that's absolutely. It. Mike McClintock, and he okay. knocks it out of the. Matt Walsh is great in everything. Yeah, but probably my favorite. I don't remember the actor's name, and it was mainly the character. But Doctor Wordsmith oh, on right. Arrested Development to say, yeah. is probably my favorite. That guy delivered. He didn't have much to do on that show, but everything was gold. Well. <laughs> Not to, I, I agree he's great, but not to knock him, but the writing is really... He did, you don't have to do much to play that character. The writing is so brilliant, you just have to say the lines. And it you're, is, you're but... going to be hilarious. But the, I could have played Dr. Wordsmith. I don't know about that, because in a couple of them, it is his delivery. No, it just looks like he's dead. He's got, like, blue paint on him or something, but he's going to be just fine. <laughs> I guess I'm, so. The writing is there, yeah, but you're, you're right. I, I think his delivery is pretty good. Yeah. But getting back to the sketch, Rita Del Vecchio, it's just, it's just a series of Italian stereotypes. Yes. I am, I yeah, I know it. <laughs> this old Italian stereotype. Yes. It's, it's, that is a great Simpsons reference. Thank you. <laughs> Rita Del Vecchio and her husband, played by Sylvester Stallone, and he's bought a new Cadillac, and they're showing it off to the neighborhood. The, the neighborhood. She's made some meatballs. It's not. It's not funny. Yeah, a neighbor all. woman has already ridden in the car, and they they fight about it. There are two funny jokes in it. I think. Okay. Not, it's not a good sketch, but I enjoy. I'm your James Bond, honey, and this car's seat is for your ass only. There's a lot of ass jokes in them, I'm realizing. There, there actually is, yeah, because that's back-to-back, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And then I also laughed at, oh, we'll go over to the bridge in New Jersey, and we'll go see Frank. Sinatra? No, Frank Stallone. He's just as good. That one, I have to say, was great. Yeah, and I have and of to, course. I, I have to bring it up just for the... the- you guessed it. I did. That was the only part of that sketch I did enjoy. Yeah. I enjoyed the Frank... Frank Stallone. We had to cover it just for the Frank Stallone of it all. And I, I have to assume that was at Sylvester Stallone's insistence. Oh, I, I we, must, we must have a joke that is not at Frank's expense and must praise him and put him on equal footing <laughs> Frank with Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yes. Who if was still at his peak at the time. Like if Frank Sinatra was still a huge deal. <laughs> if you're going to make Italian stereotypes and make me get up and do it, you are going to make my brother Frank sure. Stallone that look was, like the equivalent of Frank Sinatra. That was the negotiation. Yes. I only have one request. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I wrote this joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, it, it is a funny way to end the sketch. Yes. It, re- it, it ends on the highest note without a doubt. The sketch is in a total nosedive, and it pulls up at the last possible minute to 
keeping it from being a total disaster. I, I think you and I have a soft spot more than the audience did, though, for Frank Stallone that we appreciate probably more than the audience oh, did. I do, certainly. But yeah. yes, I mean, for, for our podcast alone. Right, exactly. All right. So the next one, this, this by far and away. <laughs> the highlight of the episode. <laughs> Without a doubt. But the thing is, uh, well, one, I now finally have gotten to see the... Uh, some context, yes. Some context for yet another one of your sound drops. I mean, this is, we've been playing this every episode. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad enough in my film. You don't know what the music is, though, I bet. No. So you'll have to wait until another episode to figure out what that music is from. So but, I'm, I'm going to say clip. this. Coming into this, I thought Will Ferrell was the focal point of this sketch, and he is not He's at not. all. He just comes in at the end. And it was a pleasant surprise because the focal point was Norm MacDonald, who absolutely kills it. In yeah. this. When you saw the beginning of the sketch, I saw you kind of laugh a little bit. It was oh, because yeah. you knew that, oh, the, yeah, the, that I, clip was coming. I knew the clip was coming, but I, th- I thought it was Will Ferrell in the car. And then I went, wait a minute, Norm yeah, MacDonald? Okay. So the sketch is, uh, there's been a car accident. <laughs> Norm MacDonald is playing, I don't know if we get either of their names. No, I don't but think uh, so. Guy and his wife played by Norm MacDonald and uh, uh, Anna Gostire. And uh, Sylvester Stallone, as himself, comes over and is like, oh, my God, are you all right? And I guess Jim Brewer is in this sketch briefly. He's like, you know, go get help, Jim Brewer. And he's like, are you Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like establishing he's Sylvester Stallone playing himself himself, is passing by. He sees this accident. And (laughs) Norm MacDonald spends the entire time (laughs) ripping on the worst Stallone movies in his career. Yeah. So what movies did he reference? So it starts off with Rhinestone, which starts out very strong to start out with Rhinestone. It starts out with him being like, I thought I'd die, but then I I saw that that idiot from Rhinestone (laughs) coming towards me. Yes. No, sir. (laughs) You're going to be all right, sir. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it starts off with Rhinestone. I know what the last one is, because it builds to it. <laughs> it does build to it, and it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. You've got, I think, Anna Gasteyer, the only one she zings him on is Paradise Alley, yes. which I have not seen, so I don't know enough about it. I've never seen it either. I don't think it has a very good reputation, but it's, it's a weird deep cut to pull. I mean, I, I, I was speculating while we were watching it that Norm MacDonald probably wrote this sketch. I, I, I wouldn't. Doubt it in the least because like, his delivery is outstanding. Oh, it's so funny. He is so f- he doesn't he didn't do a lot of sketches. He was mostly the update guy. Yeah, but he was he's always and, funny well, in sketches. And Burt Reynolds, that's well, true. Hey, I guess he did do a fair amount. He of did sketches. do some, but honestly, he, he I played Marv Albert in the sketch we can't see. But uh, I bet most most people what they remember him for is Weekend Update, getting fired, Weekend Update, and Burt. I honestly think Burt Reynolds actually might transcend Weekend Update, and more people remember him as Turd Ferguson than anything else. You know, it's funny. that Those sketches are funny, but it's not what I think of when I think of normal. Really? Life. Yeah. I, 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 for whatever reason, those sketches, I enjoy them, but it's, I don't think of them as like the classics that I think a lot of people... It, it's me. hard for me, because that one in particular, the first one where he puts on the hat and he changes his name to Turd Ferguson, is probably the best one, because it's him, of course, it's uh, Daryl Hammond, it's Sean Connery, and then... It's not Chris Kattan. Who is it? Um, it actually might be the only time Jimmy Fallon was ever funny to me. He's playing French, French Stewart, Stewart, and he yeah. does an amazing French that, Stewart. I do remember that. <laughs> he does a great French yes, Stewart. I do remember that. Being very because funny. one of I remember the this condiment is made with mustard seeds. The answer, of course, is onions. And he, he keeps going like assuming <laughs> right. he's got the answer. Yeah. Onions. I'll take. Yes. I'll take cotton puttables for two hundred. Yes. <laughs> I think usually on that sketch they would have the host be the third. It would be Sean Connery, Burt Reynolds, and whoever the Most host of the could. Time. Whatever the host could do. And that's the funny thing is why that's probably one of the best of those celebrity jeopardies is because the host was not dragging it down. All three of them were people that were trained in. Right. In that one particular case, they're like, you sit out whoever's hosting. Yes. <laughs> I wonder who it was. Uh, so then going back. Yeah, to the car accident sketch. Yeah, so I got Paradise Alley staying alive, which was a, oh, yes. a great poll. Considering the recent uh, torture yes. that we went through watching Staying Alive. I said Rhinestone. A car pa- accident in and of itself, Staying Alive. Paradise Alley. I'm missing, I think there was one more that I'm missing in between Staying Alive and... Well, Will Ferrell mentions Tango and Cash. Yes, he does. That's right. He's when like, he comes going, in as he, the paramedic. He's the paramedic. He's like, what's going on here? It's like, oh... You, Stallone eventually gets fed up and starts punching uh, Norman McDonald. Car accident victim. And yeah, <laughs> you're punching car accident victim. Um, and yeah, he's like, no, no, no. I was, I was, he's bad about my films. What? He says Tango and Cash was jackass, and <laughs> yes. he didn't mention Tango, Tango and Cash. So I know he, he didn't like Tango and Cash. There were a couple more. I don't remember the, if we can remember them all. 
But the most important one, yes, that they work <laughs> in at the end perfectly. It's, what an amazing... I mean, this is just Norm MacDonald doing his stand-up, but he's just like, um, uh, you know, oh, stop. Oh, well, there's that, yeah. Stop, stop, or my mom will shoot. <laughs> uh, he said it sucked. Stop, yes. or my mom will shoot sucks. Yeah. No, but uh, uh, over the top is, is what that, it's building, building oh, to. Oh, that's, that's what the I was one I forgot. At. I have to. How could I forget that? Because that's what the whole thing is built. I mean, we we should almost just play. Uh, to be honest, we should probably just play it on here because Norm Macdonald, his his commentary about. Hey, you ever see that movie Kramer versus Kramer? Yeah, that's about child custody. You know what it's missing? Arm wrestle. Arm- <laughs> the best part of the sketch is. Norm MacDonald's character is dying. Yes. He is in a car accident. He is, he is, He's bleeding out. The character literally dies in the sketch. And Norm MacDonald occasionally will play it like, oh, ow, I'm hurt. But then when he really wants to lay into Stallone, yes. he is just, that's coming straight from Norm MacDonald's heart. It, no, it is. It's his stand-up. You're right. A hundred percent. He could be up on stage just with a microphone yeah. and a glass of water. Yeah. And Oh, you know what's missing? Arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. <laughs> Uh, and credit to Stallone for participating in that and having a good sense of humor, humor and being a, a good sport. Enough to laugh at himself. But you're probably right. This was probably helping in his in his mind on the pivot, right? To sure. try and go and do something more serious and more dramatic or uh, the new Brando, if you will, for kind of our categories. Sure. So in some ways, maybe it's cathartic for him to say, oh, yeah, I'll just burn that stuff down the ground. But thank you for reminding me i'm disappointed the over the top which i actually enjoy that movie in an ironic way sure the i enjoyed it on a somewhat legitimate level the, i enjoyed that movie. you ever see that movie kramer versus kramer you know what it was missing arm wrestling i don't think because norm mcdonald says in the sketch that he, that stallone arm wrestled for the custody of his child i don't think that's technically true I don't think no, his child custody is, is put on the line in an arm wrestling match. Well, it effectively is because the offer that's made from Robert Loge's character is that, here, if you just drop out now, I'll give you a truck and a bunch of money. And so he's, he turns him down and goes back to try and win the money in the arm wrestling match. So in, in a way... Oh, so if he hadn't won the arm wrestling tournaments he, he wouldn't, wouldn't have had any, the money right, and wouldn't it, have exactly okay i'm not I'm i mean not it, was, I, it wasn't I literally like his opponent <laughs> right was the any, other was person going, who was, who was trying to, to retain yeah. old, yes he wasn't arresting robert loja for the custody of the child <laughs> oh man would that have been outstanding i mean <laughs> robert loja just shows up just ripped <laughs> how great is that image him arm wrestling robert loja for custody yeah Anyway, I love this sketch. This this sketch, I've it's a highlight I, I, without I a doubt. Very distinctly remember laughing my ass off the first time I watched this sketch. It was it's such a good sketch, <laughs> and I'm sure Norm Macdonald is the best part of this cast by far. I'm sure he wrote it. He he delivers a perfect performance <laughs> by uh, by like totally not caring. He's just not. He's the, he's the opposite of Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer is trying so hard, and Norm Macdonald's like tossing off every joke <laughs> in a way that ju- is amazing. And then the end joke is Norm Macdonald dies. And Will Ferrell's like, oh no, he loved it. He has a he has a tape of Rambo here. He loved your work. Oh, Sloan's like, oh, that's great. It's nice to hear. He liked my work. No, 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 no. So it's a porno. It's Rambone. Rambone. And I do like how Stallone's like, I'll take that. And, <laughs> and I think Ferrell says something. Yeah, you're gonna want that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, after taking all that abuse. Yeah. This consolation prize, I guess. Yeah, that was by far and away the highlight. <laughs> it's an amazing sketch. I love it so much. Uh, okay, next is the night at the Roxbury sketch. Yeah, I so I distinctly remember a night at the Roxbury being huge before the movie came out. Yeah, um, it was probably this was the peak of it. I'll bet because this is the third season of Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan. Okay, and yeah, they had to have done it a few times. I know. By now. Yeah, their first season was pretty rocky. No pun intended. It was pretty rough, and I think yeah, by the probably the second season, they were like the season before this. Was probably when Night of the Roxbury blew up and yeah, because I bet thing. the season before this because I probably was more consistently watching. I do remember seeing the Jim Carrey episode. I think that was ninety six. Yeah, probably. And so that would have been honestly that is the one I I did laugh and probably would still laugh at the Jim Carrey one. And there's another skit on that episode because I'm whatever Jim Carrey was born to do that and did it in living color, so he was a perfect host. Yeah, but I do remember a sketch where he was a lifeguard. <laughs> Oh, for I remember a, that. For yeah. a hot tub, yeah, yeah. it was great, especially when there was lap time. And yes. he put the lane divider <laughs> isn't, in. Isn't, there, isn't Tim Meadows like, oh, hey, Phil. <laughs> that was a great sketch. Yeah. 
Open swim now starts. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember a lot of that. So you're probably right. This is probably the crest and starting starting to be a little bit too much. But, of course, then the movie came for, for A Night at the Roxbury. Probably this year in 97, I bet. No, they'd usually wait until the cast has... Or maybe they would make it in like the summer or something. I'd well, be probably, because Will Ferrell was on the show still for a while, I think, wasn't he? Was that, did they make that movie that early? I guess well, I guess he, maybe they did because it seems like, it seemed to me like most of the time when they would make a movie it was well after you know like it, it, they'd wait until Will Ferrell for instance was done you know, off the show and making movies and say all right let's make a well Night it might be but movie. I don't remember how long Ferrell's run was on Saturday Night Live but old school was two thousand one how long well, this was ninety seven I mean that's a long time I away guess. from this I thought Ferrell was on a pretty long time though he was I mean this is his third year so he would have started in ninety five probably. Was done around 2000, 2001, something like okay. that. All right. Because that was shortly after he left Saturday Night Live. I'll, I'll, if I had to guess, I would say Night of the Roxbury is 2000. We do have the internet. Maybe we could just look it up or whatever. Yeah, but that, we can't spend this podcast looking things up. And all that's right. all we'll do. Fair it enough. ruins podcasts looking up Fair facts. Enough. So uh, this was, I, I'm sure you want to get into it a little bit because the, yes. the Rocky running, it, it was not a great sketch. No, I never liked this sketch. I never liked the Night of the Roxbury thing. It, I never, I mean, other than the Jim Carrey one is probably the best one from the ones oh, I remember. Yeah, I, I, I probably remember two of them, and Jim Carrey by far and away is the best. Because it's one of these sketches that's the same every time. Yep. You know, and it's like, after the second time, it's like, all right, I don't What more can more. you do? You can't really do anything with and, it. And Saturday Night Live has always been like that, but it goes through periods where it gets a lot like worse in that regard. I remember like the late 80s was that way too where it's like here's another John Lovitz actor sketch acting. It's like I've seen this 10 times already. Yeah. You know, and it's always been a part of Saturday Night Live Coneheads from way the beginning is like that. It's like but I, I, and I'm sure is, by is this it, point it's like this is old hat. Even the crowd didn't seem that into it. No. Until Stallone started dancing and then they went crazy. Yeah, and he is I said as we were watching he's a better dancer than he is singer. So maybe they should have just had him dance in Rhinestone and not sing. I think he danced a little bit in Rhinestone. Not much. Well, he sung. He sang too much in Rhinestone. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, he's not. A, he's not bad. No, it's. it's uh, <laughs> he's a decent dancer. I yeah. agree. Uh, but anyway, but here's here's my issue with this because you know the 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 opening monologue where Jim Brewer as Mickey, the the conceit in that sketch is he's a, appearing to give Sylvester Stallone the actor advice about how he should be doing his monologue, and it's obviously. Not Burtis Meredith playing Mickey, so it's like I can disconnect myself from it. But in this Night at the Roxbury sketch, it's Sylvester Stallone playing Rocky, and the, I do I don't want to see Rocky hanging out with these idiots. I don't. It, it, that's what bothers me. Is I, that's fair? It's almost you have to almost treat it like it's canonical. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> It's, no, it's, I don't it's think an you have to do of, that. I, it's an instance of Sylvester Stallone playing Rocky Balboa on film. So it kind of it kind of is. That's the part that bothers me. I didn't remember. I, I remembered that he did a sketch with the Night of the Roxbury guys. I didn't remember that he was playing Rocky in the sketch, and it bothers me. And it's it's That's it's funny. irrational, but it, it, it does. No, I can kind of understand. And it, if it was funny, it would have been fine. But it wasn't funny either. The funnier parts are when Rocky is is reluctant. He just like is kidnapped by these guys. Basically, you come, or I don't know why I'm doing the Rocky voice to to be those guys. But like you're coming partying with us, Rocky Balboa. He's running because it starts with him running, yeah, in in a Rocky fashion, and kids are running after him. Hey, Rocky! And then the two Night of the Roxbury guys in their suits and they're bopping their heads and so the song that I only know from that sketch. Yeah, what is love? Yeah, it was a pretty big hit. We it, were, I, I don't think it would have the cultural impact without this sketch. It, it was but, a hit, but I do think that it would not be remembered the way it is without that sketch. It certainly would be remembered differently. Oh, 100. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's no for doubt, sure. No doubt. I got to think uh, that group, I don't know who sang that song, but no. I got to think they made a fortune during oh, these years. Of course. I don't know what the licensing fee would have been, but you figure eight times a year they're doing this sketch. Yep. That's some cash for uh, whoever's saying, what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah. No but, more. Uh, I don't know. I, the, Rocky elbows one of the guys because he's sick of their dancing, and then he puts on Eye of the Tiger briefly, and Stallone clearly doesn't know the lyrics to Eye of the Tiger. That, <laughs> that was apparent. pretty funny. Because he's singing along, and 
goes off script very quickly. It derailed yeah. so fast. I think he got rising up right. That's about as far as he could get <laughs> before he started getting the lyrics wrong. Um, but that that it's it's when they transform him into one of them. I don't know if we're supposed to like those two guys. I don't know their names. I never saw the movie. I don't know what. Yeah. The, the Night at the Roxbury guys. It don't, it's irrelevant. I don't want to see Rocky transformed into a, a Night at the Roxbury guy. No. They go to a dance studio where Daryl Hammond in his only appearance as like their dance instructor. Dance instructor and he teaches him how to move his head in that way and and then the the sketch ends with Stallone cutting a rug that, and dancing. It, the same thing though about the nose dive and then pulling it out at the end. I do think the it probably ends on the highest note. Sure. Stallone is a decent dancer. Rocky Balboa should not be. <laughs> I don't want to see it. True. I know it's it's a ridiculous thing to to have an issue with. No, it's you're a, a, big it's a Rocky sketch fan. comedy show. That's, no, that's fair in my I, view. I don't like seeing this. I don't like seeing Rocky Balboa in this context. No, it was it was not among the better skits. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So moving on, we got some weekend update sketches. <laughs> we didn't see the whole weekend update. We only we didn't get the news portion. We only got the we sketchy got one, the very very end. We got the last news story, but that was it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the Richard Jewel. I, just surreal to, yeah. to have. I, I I don't even know how to explain that. Yeah, we should probably give some context because I don't. That was a long time ago. But the there was. I, I don't remember how. No one died, right? It was just injuries. I, I, I believe that there were injuries right at the uh, Summer Olympics in Atlanta. Atlanta I think 96. it was a bomb in, in a trash can or something like that. that yeah. That, exploded and for whatever reason the fbi thought this guy richard jewell did it yes. i don't even know the he, kind he, of reasons why they he was used. a security guard in and around the area i i think that maybe he had been a person of interest because i don't know if it was internet searches or something along those lines i don't it's been a long time so i don't really remember well, 96 richard jewell you know i mean i guess i'm not internet. saying for again i'm not saying for 100 percent i i Sure, yeah. I, I, I don't remember... I don't yeah. remember why they keyed in on him. And maybe it was just video surveillance. He was in the general area, but if he's a security guard, you'd think they'd be able to figure it out. That's why he was in the general area. I, I don't remember. It's the thing. In the 90s, especially us as teenagers, the news wasn't as important. You know, it was the, the end of history period of the... Where it was... For the know, most part. After the, cold, of- after the Cold War before 9-11, it was just like, history doesn't matter. The news doesn't matter. No one paid attention. Nothing important is happening. <laughs> it was kind of the vibe. It's funny. In some ways, you're right. It, it goes back to your uh, your quote early on, not in the arms race. This had to be bad puns and machine guns. How you said, oh, it's so cute and quaint about action movies and villains before 9-11. Yeah, I think it was on the Eraser episode. Yeah, it probably was. In the Which, I was saying, yeah, the idea that if rail guns got out into the world, it would be the, right. the end of civilization or the greatest yeah. threat to civilization, whatever they yeah. said. Um, and so in a, way, in a way, you're kind of right. It's post-Cold War. Yeah. So we don't have to worry, and we're not doing air raid drills of hiding under our desks from nuclear weapons from the Soviets. But it's before nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it it is very strange. The whole Richard Jewell interview because it's kind of just an interview. Yeah, it's not even really that much comedy. But it, but it well it, near the end because then it's kind of it's kind of uh, ghoulish to kind of make comedy out of Princess Di's death. But I mean, that's yeah. It's it's. I guess it was four months after he says, "Oh, four months ago, Princess Di sadly dies." Like, where were you when that happened? And insinuating that Richard Jewell may have uh, been responsible. Yes. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, and uh, Mother Teresa's death. <laughs> yeah. were, you, you were, were you around Mother Teresa? It was like that, that was the joke is clearly the idea that Richard Jewell is just arbitrarily being blamed for things that are not his fault because yeah. that's what happened in the Olympics. I, I think the front half was better, though, of him putting... Given the statistics of how many stories Tom Brokaw does and you're yeah. telling me you're one of them that's inaccurate? That was what I was going to say. The whole thing just felt like Norm MacDonald trying to get out some kind of grudge about... Tom Brokaw. Yes. All of his stuff in this episode is like, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure he wrote that Stallone sketch. It's just like, Norm MacDonald wanted to get out his gripes about all the money he wasted seeing Sylvester Stallone movies, and he wants to, to he has some axe to grind about Tom, Tom Brokaw. Yeah, it's very uh, strange. It's kind of like, he's, hey, I'm just as good of a news anchor. Why, why has Tom Brokaw got that job and I don't? Yeah. I mean, as a fake, fake news anchor, maybe yes. he was trying to hold the real news anchors to some kind of <laughs> journalistic yeah, standard. Exactly. Uh, and then there was a sketch with Cinder Calhoun, the Lilith Fair comedian. comedian. Yeah, I just, I, I said it when we were watching it. I'll say, I guess, a little bit. Uh, one, I, I remember Lilith Fair. I don't know why I remember Lilith Fair. It was a big deal in the late 90s. It was a 
cultural phenomenon with Lilith Fair. And I'm telling you, that sketch, you probably could have that same... Anna Gasteyer could do that today, and you wouldn't have to change much of what they were talking about. It's literally a parody of Signataro. <laughs> it is a parody of Signataro. Someone went back in time and wrote a parody of Signataro. <laughs> I mean, it, there's not much more to say about it other than that. I mean, it's just comedian in quotes, but uh, someone who isn't really trying to be funny, who's trying to do more social commentary. and. Yeah. The, the whole thing, I mean, the funniest part of this sketch is Norm MacDonald's reactions to That's this character. She's like, I'm going to sing a song. She sings a song about, like, how terrible hot dogs are or something. Yeah, a sausage, you know, anti-meat. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's Norm MacDonald's reaction. It, it just total deadpans it. Yes. So, Norm MacDonald was great. He continues to be great. He hasn't had much of a career after Saturday Night Live. But, no, he uh, did not. He is fantastic. Okay, and here next is the other sketch that I remember from from this. This, this actually, Julius. I'm glad that I know that this exists and watch this to see this. Yeah, absolutely. And this uh, is probably Stallone's best acting. Yeah, in the episode, I agree because it's it's uh, he, he's playing this employee at a computer store. Yeah, in a, Very, a mall computer store. Yeah, which, a mall computer store. Man, anybody under the age of. 35, probably hearing, what? Mall? What? (laughs) Computer store? What? I mean, computer stores still sort of exist, but... uh, Kind of. It did make me very nostalgic, even though it's clearly just a two-wall set that they threw up, but, um, yeah, that was, like... I, I, Any time I was at the mall and around this time, it was like, all right, let's go to the computer store and see what computer games are there. Absolutely. You know, maybe a... Maybe a new Leisure Suit Larry game is out. There's a gigantic box. That's something that made made me the most nostalgic is in the back of the shot is a gigantic box for the game Interstate 76. Oh, I don't know. Was that a real game? It was a real game. Uh, I played it a couple of times in college. I never owned it. There were kids in the dorm who owned it. But uh, I still, to this day, will listen to the soundtrack every once in a while. It's all it's full of, like seventies funk, huh? And it's it's a great sound. It's but what it's not it's g- not a licensed song. It was an original score. I don't remember who did it. But what I kind s- of a game was it? It was car combat. It was like you ever play Twisted Metal? I know Twisted Metal. Never played, but okay, it was I, like I, that. You're, you're gotcha. cars with guns, and you try to blow each other up. That's gotcha. Basically, I, I think it, was, it had more of a story. No, but actually, more so than the game, because like I said, I I don't have a ton of attachment to the game. But um, it was that gigantic box. Oh, yeah. I saw it in the background. I was like, oh, yeah. Computer stores used to sell games in those gigantic boxes. Yeah, you still have these tiny discs, but the mar- merchandising, merchandising. You got to get attention, right? Yeah. Uh, on the shelf. I, I, guess, mean, I guess they would have been CDs then. But I, even yeah. before that, I remember buying X-Wing for the computer in 1991. The box must have It's like the, as big as your head. It was gigantic. And it was just... All, you open it up and it had like three, three and a quarter yeah, floppy, floppy disks. <laughs> like, I didn't but, need I this mean, box. So my background in, in around this time, you know, high school and college, my jobs were in retail. And there's still a part. I mean, there's a part of me that as, as malls and all this stuff is dying, there's a part of me that's dying because that was my life. I mean, I worked like 35 hours a week in high school and college yeah. in retail stores. And a huge component of it is no is, is boxing out the other uh, sh- basically stealing shelf space so that your competitors don't have the room. I mean, that, how, if still to this day, if you go in a store, PepsiCo, who owns Frito-Lay and Pepsi, they will ha- there will be products on the shelf. I can tell you to this day, they're loser products that do not sell very well, but they continue to put them out there to maintain the shelf space. Just to box everybody else yes, out. Yes, to box everybody else out. That's no, a hun- no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like those gigantic boxes were to try and not only keep competition out, but grab your attention. Yeah. Because if it was actually just the packaging, you barely would have anything. To this day, I play a lot of PC games. I'm actually getting back into like that kind of style of game, like strategy games, stuff like that. Um, but I don't think I would have started playing computer games of that style. Like, I had a Nintendo, and that's the stuff I used to play. Yeah, same here. If I hadn't seen that gigantic X-Wing box and went like, I have to own that... <laughs> Can our computer run that? I don't know. Buy it anyway. Dad, you must buy me this. Like you, I, you needed a Pentium, as Will Ferrell <laughs> needed in this. I did not have a Pentium. Certainly not in 1991. Uh, 91, no, because they, yeah, they did not exist. If that, yeah. Uh, anyway, enough about the background boxes. We should actually talk about the sketch, which is Stallone has this computer store employee. Will Ferrell comes in. He wants to buy a, Pentium, a computer with a Pentium oh, processor. Yes. 
and uh, Stallone's character. We get his name. I forget his name. I don't remember his name. I clearly. I remember that Doug is not the actual manager's right. name. However, yeah, he keeps talking about his manager Doug. No, no, no. I'm, my name is Wallace. Yeah, it's Tim Meadows plays the manager. Uh, Leon is uh, Stallone's name. I think right. Yeah. Yes, I think Leon. you're right. Yep. And Leon clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Because he's like, I need, I need a computer. Oh, this computer's real boss. Is so it the cash or charge? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I need one of the pentium processors. No, you, you don't need one of them pentasium possessors. Yeah, a kryptonite. I know there's one that's a kryptonite something. <laughs> right. Um, anyway. There, the, there is one joke in that, you know, when you go back and watch some of this stuff, it's like, oh, man, this just doesn't hold up. The, yeah, there's a couple. There, there's at least one in particular. No way it would be done today. It wouldn't be done today by the standards of the time. It's not so bad. No, that that is fair by the standards in 1997. It's not as bad, but today yeah. it 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 yeah. And I think this is one of the sketches that is not available on NBC.com, and I wonder if that's why. I would almost bet for 100 percent that's why. Although the other one with a similar joke, because I mean I wouldn't go so far as to say they're homophobic, but they're you know inappropriate in a way that they wouldn't even yeah. they wouldn't even go there. Pretty that. close. Um, yeah, it's it's in the it's in the ballpark, but um, close enough that we're not going to repeat them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, they're on a network television show. Yeah. I mean, it's ten thirty at night or eleven thirty at night in the nope. East, East Coast, but uh, they still did it. Uh, Stallone's trying to sell the computer that Will Ferrell doesn't want. He's like, "Can yes. I talk to a manager? Someone must know about Pentium processors." He's like, I'll go back and check. And then I love Stallone. He's gone for a second. He backs his way back out of the back rooms. Yes. No one knows. <laughs> Because you're right, this character, he's playing a very against type. He's playing this like meek kind of, uh, yeah. he's like twiddling with his tie and he's all disheveled and he's kind of like this kind of strange person. Yep. And then we learn the only reason why he works there is because they closed down the Orange Julius and they, they put in this uh, computer store and he was sleeping in the back and he tried to sell them a, a cup of nails saying, would you like an Orange, <laughs> Orange Julius? Julius? So they kept him around. Um, and he but tries to sell Will Ferrell the... That's the highlight. <laughs> the vending machine. <laughs> the futuristic... Yeah. Computer, this, this is a real Star Trek computer. You push A1 and chips come out. You got to be real smart to use it, though. <laughs> and then Doug, the manager, says, oh, you know, can you, can, you, can you help him out? Can you just, can you just, just buy, buy the, the vending, vending machine? machine? I'm not going to buy the vending machine. It's only about $3,900. <laughs> yeah, and I think Stallone's starting to write it up, too, as yeah, well. Yeah, he's got the paperwork ready. Which that in itself is kind of nostalgic and you know fun to remember sure. of writing up a sale. Literally a clipboard with a pen yeah. attached to it. Yeah. But then, of course, the big twist at the end is uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell the whole time is the grandson of... Gregory Julius or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but it's absurd. <laughs> and he asks uh, Stallone if he would like to head up their European division, <laughs> which apparently means working in a store in Germany. Right? It's not an executive <laughs> job at all. Yeah, because they cut to him in Ger- at an Orange Julius just going, Willkommen auf der Orange Julius, which I had told you, anytime I see an Orange Julius, that pops into my head. It's Stallone. I can understand why. <laughs> With two oranges in his hands. Willkommen auf der Orange Julius. Especially because I took German in high school. That so is, it's, I like, mean, it's right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> right, it absolutely is. And he goes, it's a dream come true. <laughs> so uh, that, that was a really good sketch. I do love that sketch, the, trying to sell him the, the Star Trek uh, computer, the, the vending machine. <laughs> Um. Anyway, and then the last one that we are able to see is the Planet Hollywood sketch, where it's just Stallone as himself at a Planet Hollywood. I guess he's having a meal or something, or yeah, not apparently clear why so. he's there. It's yeah, in, he's there, and the, I think the manager does thank him for being there. So it's unclear if he was just having a meal or if maybe it was he had some kind of signing or something. Yeah, or an some event. sort of an appearance to help out the the restaurant. And Stallone's wearing his Planet Hollywood jackets. He make sure was, to get maximum uh, advertising. Of course. He's got to take advantage of this Actually, that live appearance. In thinking about it, you got a lot because in that first, you know, somewhat racist sketch with Sher- Sherry O'Terry, uh, you get. A lot of fashion references because you get members only Jordache jeans, yeah, uh, and something else. So there, there's a lot of oh, night Cadillac and, and cat. Yeah, but there, there was one other clothing. I don't remember what it was. And then Planet Hollywood. There is definitely a lot of uh, vintage clothing of its time. I guess sure, but, but 
Sylvester Stallone isn't a co-owner of yes. Jordache jeans. He I, is I, a fan I of fully understand that he was shilling 100%. Yeah, it, it seems like another thing, another negotiation. Like, oh, can, we, can we get yes. some Planet Hollywood content? I'm looking to pivot, but I can't completely pivot from this business because it needs some help. Sure. That's a side hustle. He's got to make sure that, that part of the... His portfolio is being fed. It, it wasn't doing very well. Uh, no. I mean, it was still an operation at the time, for sure. So I think it was hanging on by a thread, yeah, though. Yeah, it's probably, uh, you know, he's doing what he can. You can't say that Stallone didn't try. No. Keep that thing in business. Uh, I did uh, like that the gun in the background it was labeled from the Terminator. I was like, oh. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, there's a gun that says, says the Terminator, so it's technically an Arnold reference. Yeah. We kind of track that stuff. So. Yes, we absolutely do. And then there's the gloves from Rocky too. But anyway, Sketch is two obnoxious guys played by uh, Tracy Morgan and, and uh, Jim Brewer. And Jim Brewer. Tracy Morgan is definitely the better of the two in that. Oh, yeah. It's uh, same as the opening sketch where Jim Brewer was obnoxious and Tracy Morgan as Mr. T was funny. Yep. Here it's the same thing because Jim Brewer's obsessed with Rocky and Tracy Morgan's obsessed with Rambo. Rambo. And I, I do like Tracy Morgan only calling him Rambo. Yo, Mr. Rambo! <laughs> Where's that knife? I don't see that knife you carry. It, and it definitely, you gotta come home and kiss my wife, Rambo. <laughs> right. That is awesome. Like, I'm not gonna kiss your wife. Like, oh, what's wrong with my wife? No, 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 there's nothing wrong with your wife. It's nothing to do with your wife. Yeah. I don't know you, yeah. And then he, he attacks them, and the, it says, Planet Hollywood sued for billions under new ownership, whatever it says. Yeah, so and I, it's the picture of Jim Brewer and uh, Tracy Morgan. With Schwarzenegger with, and Bruce, and Bruce Willis, Willis. yes. Which I laugh because, well, that would have been, if that was what they got in the settlement of their litigation with Stallone, Stallone <laughs> would have got the last laugh in that. Yeah, two, two contradictory headlines. Sued for billions, become owner, co-owners of Planet Hollywood. I don't think... One quarter ownership of Planet Hollywood is worth billions of dollars. No, so what I take that as is they he Stallone negotiated it down and said you can just have ownership in this, and they took that in lieu of the billions, and so sure. they certainly wound up on the losing end of that one. Yeah, that's just damage control for Stallone. It's like, all right, I'll give you the most valuable thing. It's like it's like Tom Sawyer in the fence, you know. Like, this is the greatest thing I own. You can have it. Uh yeah, so there are some more sketches and and a musical performance by Jamiroquai. I don't know if we, we didn't get to see any of it. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything. I know I do remember. I don't remember being funny, but there was one Stallone sketch that is not available on the internet, as far as I can tell. And uh, here it is: "Lose Lovely Daughters," and it's an infomercial where. And I also remember this being full of Italian stereotypes, so I don't remember if it's, it's well, with, as bad as the other it one. It probably is with recurring characters Francesca, Maria, and Josephine. It probably is. I didn't even remember them being recurring, recurring characters. I don't know. I wonder what other sketches. But my memory of this, the summary we're looking at is, is aging dad Lou Sylvester Stallone uses a cable access show in his desperate attempt to find husbands for his less than appealing adult daughters. And I, I remember it being not, not very funny. Yeah. And they're just like, Dad, come on. It was just that kind of thing. And well, so I wish, we had, I wish there were links where we could see where else these three characters I'm trying to think, so it was probably Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry, and Anna Gostire is my guess, unless Chris uh, Kattan dressed up as a woman or something. Yeah, I guess it must have been, because there, there weren't a ton of women in the cast at this point. <laughs> there are only three women in the cast. Yeah. Molly Shannon, Shannon Sherry O'Terry, Anna Gostire. Yeah. My memory was, um, I don't remember the her name who was in Saturday. I don't think she was ever a full cast member. She was just one of those like featured, and she was like, she had kind of like a Valley Girl accent. Melody... Hudsell or whatever she but she was with like the Farley cast I don't know I, maybe that's her name I don't remember her name she was not like very prominent at all she would show up from time to time yeah well I, yeah I think you're right she I'm was thinking earlier. of that was but it was earlier that was one and same thing I know Jay Moore he was only yeah it was in there around that period see my recollection was that she was in that sketch but I guess she couldn't have been yeah so that's just my faulty memory but yeah I mean that's that's Stallone hosting Saturday Night I gotta say that this was a lot more fun and more entertaining than I thought it was gonna be coming into this one. He's not bad. I think his biggest problem is he's clearly reading off the the cue cards the entire episode. A couple episodes they put him in sunglasses to try to hide it and they're like trying to like Right. But you know, whatever. That's that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Doing live television, like you do what you can. Yeah, and you're doing what he's certainly not strong at, comedy. It's Live television, all those things. I think that's easily forgivable. Yeah, that he had to read off cards. All things considered, I think he's pretty good. I, yeah. I'm surprised he he did come back one time. He just appeared in a sketch one time. It was him. It was Robert De Niro. And it was John Goodman as the Three Wise Men. It was around Christmas time. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember anything about the sketch other than that. It, but it was that's uh, a great pairing right there. Yeah, I, actually, I bet. 
I wonder if. Uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll watch we can, it after we yeah, sign we, off. Yeah, we can't handle any more ads. I think. Uh, yeah, it, I'm so frustrated by this. I'm not going to sign up for NBC's streaming service just to watch Saturday Night Live. Sorry, NBC. <laughs> Uh, it's just frustrating. Anyway. Well, here's what isn't frustrating. It is time for us to get back to brass tacks. We are now done with our hiatus bonus episodes. Yep. And you get to lead off this season. So I'm very interested. You have the entire half of the catalog yeah, to choose le- from. What's left. Yes. yes. I, have, I have my pick of the litter. Yeah. Uh, so where are we going? We're not going far. I guess I'll put it that way. Oh, because 1997? Uh, no, not not related to Saturday Night Live, but related no. to some recent episodes. Okay. Because fairly recently, we watched Rambo 2, and then we watched the Rambo, Rambo Saturday Morning cartoon. Yes. The Force of Freedom. Force of Freedom, which we both enjoyed quite a bit. Immensely. So, you know, I think we're still somewhat in a Rambo kind wow. of a mood. So we closed, we almost closed, you know, obviously we close every season with a Rocky, but... Prior to that was Rambo 2. We essentially closed the season with Rambo 2. So let's open this new season with Rambo 3. All right. Which is sensibly you... called Rambo 3. Thank you, movie titles. <laughs> no, no more of this Rambo First Blood Part 2 stuff. Rambo 3, they titled it correct. It's the only Rambo movie that has a sensible title. Rambo <laughs> 3. So can I ask you this? Is the motivation you just want to get the body count up? No, not necessarily. No, I'm in a Rambo mood. I enjoy, I, I'm enjoying this uh, you know, Rambo discussion we've had recently. Uh, I like Rambo three more than I think most Rambo fans do, although it's it's not highly regarded. But you know, we'll see. And in a, a few months, we've got a Rambo coming out. That too. I mean, there's just a lot of Rambo in the air, so yeah. I don't want to wait. Uh, you know, I'm pulling the trigger on Rambo hey, right away. I have no issues. I've never seen it, and from what it sounded like, either we discussed. I don't know if we discussed this on air. It sounded like the Parks and Recreation episode. <laughs> where Chris Pratt is trying to entertain guests because the cable TV is out and they can't see the debate. You you said that you had seen it, and you think that he was describing a scene in Rambo 3? No, that's Rambo 4. I'm, oh, okay. All right, pardon well, me. Rambo. <laughs> the fourth Rambo movie, Rambo. This is why I want to praise Rambo 3. Thank you, Rambo 3. We all understand which movie this is. Rambo 3. Okay. No, but he's describing Rambo. I'm almost positive. Okay. The fourth one. Well, then we'll eventually get there. We'll eventually get there. I'm still excited. I'm excited about the fourth Rambo movie also. And the fifth one. It'll be coming. I think by the time this is airing, that'll be coming out soon. Yeah. When this podcast goes up, that'll be imminent. Yeah. So, I think. Unless I'm getting my dates mixed up. But um, There's going to be a lot around that time because the new Terminator is going to be probably not that far off. Absolutely. I will be going to see Rambo Last Blood. I don't know if... uh, I mean, you're not spoiling anything. It's not like the yeah, movies if not, have a... If I'm not spoiling, I'll probably go with yeah, you. Yeah, so you're, you're welcome to come. But I, I, uh, I'm not going to be able to wait until we cover it on the podcast. Well, I can tell you 100% the one that I will definitely be seeing in theaters probably the weekend it comes out. Of course, the, for at least for me, the uh, next Terminator. Terminator, yeah. Yeah, have to. I will be with you there for sure. So, All right. So before we sign off, All right. I have a surprise for you. Uh-oh. Nine months belatedly, on the podcast, you gave me a gift of the... the uh, Golden Girls slice the pie, cut the pie, whatever game. <laughs> and so, uh oh, I, I saw an ad, and I thought of you. And this is for no particular reason. Just you can call it a belated birthday, even though it's an early birthday, I guess. All right, I'm very it's, excited. It's here. wrapped in the box that it came in. It was shipped okay. in. I did not wrap it at all. All right, any more? Should I just give? No, go all ahead right. and open it. All right, what do we got? This just came out. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and describe it. All right, so I got I got Seiko. Now I did not get the two hundred or three hundred and fifty thousand dollar version. No, I couldn't afford that. But but I have an action figure Seiko. <laughs> this is outstanding. The artwork on the back is outstanding. Oh, is it? I literally never took it out of the box. Oh, you got to see this. Hold on. Uh, let's take a look. That artwork is outstanding oh, wow. on the back of the package. They're like it really is painterly. I'm, yeah, images from the movie. I mean, yeah. they, they just Apollo is is. Fantastic. Yeah, I would buy posters of these, especially yeah. Seiko in Seiko. <laughs> a painting of Seiko yes. with the cake. And I do I do like because I peeked into the box, I do like that he comes with the party hat and cake. <laughs> you can use his grippable hands to carry the cake. I will tell you right now, I will be displaying that in uh on my desk. I don't have an office anymore, but I absolutely will. Yeah, I know since you've got your last action hero uh Figures. You can I do still it. have Benedict. Yes, <laughs> you are correct. That's your collection. This uh this is great, and I have to say that uh, for any of the fans out there at Arms Race Podcast, 
try and uh, use Twitter to try and convince the... I, I'm trying to see who makes these. Super 7 Retail Inc. That can't be it. The, the, the artwork on the back of this thing should be posters that you can buy. I fully agree. It's They're really good. I, I wonder if there's any images of it on yeah, uh, the internet. There has to be. I'd, I'd put that as like my desktop wallpaper or something. Um, this literally just came out. And, and, uh, here, here's how recent it is, is. This was supposed to come out in May, and my hope was to give this to you on the Rocky Four episode. But then the toy got delayed by like two months, and I got screwed. So. Oh, well, I, I really, I genuinely appreciate this. I like actually right above, you know, it's got the name and trademarked, of course, Seiko action figure and i'm sure that there's other action figures you can buy right yeah yeah there there's a drago there's a there's an apollo there's i think there's even like a poly like they're getting down to the robot so it's like pretty much everyone from the movie they put out a toy up above it it has in the seco lettering happy birthday poly is yeah of course it's i mean it's interesting that they call it seco so i guess this is this this is evidence that the robot is actually called seco in the reality of rocky it must be i mean or canon or to get the license to be able to actually make this, they probably had to... That's true. They probably had to pay Seiko. He's in the Screen Actors Guild. They had to pay him for his likeness. So this right here, Seiko got a little money from the Arms Race podcast. Yeah, of course. They got to pay for his likeness. <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, man. I thought you'd like that. A hunt, yes. <laughs> I'm blown after, away. After we, we talked about Seiko twice because he lost that part of the episode, so we had to do it twice. And both times, we had such a blast talking about Seiko the Robot. You know what's funny? It's we prob- must have talked about Seiko the Robot in aggregate for like 90 minutes over the course of those two recordings. And what, what's funny is what I will remember. One of the things I will remember from this podcast, definitely that episode, but I have a few things in my head. You know, of sort of like movie lines that I, you know, just remember. And I have some things from this podcast. One, uh, meet me halfway. I will never forget for the rest of my life because of this podcast. But number two is your deadpan first question that you fired at me is Polly having sex with that robot? I will never forget the way you said that for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it's the only thing that you can't help but wonder. I understand, but I'm just telling you. So this is a perfect, because I will forever remember our discussion about Seiko. If they are selling a Polly, maybe you should buy a Polly so that they could be together. <laughs> you know, that's the biggest tragedy is Seiko has to be alone there. It is, especially since it says, happy birthday, Polly. It does, yeah. Seiko's incomplete without her Polly. <laughs> it's my favorite. Ah, well, that was great. Thank you. And we'll be back with... Rambo 3. Oh, crap. We forgot to cover something. Uh-oh. Yeah. I just, I just want to play this. Let me jump back in. All right. this, this is important. Hello, we're back on the show. <laughs> we're back. We said we'd be back, and we're back. Uh, I got Kramer. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> All you need to do is eat some chips right now, Belch. Where are the cameras? Uh, How could I forget this? This is a clip on YouTube. These are clips not from the episode we just talked about. Yep, okay. But this is Saturday Night Live related and Norm MacDonald related and also one other thing related. So I just, we need to play this video and then we will sign off again. All right. How could I forget this? According to the EPA, it will cost an estimated $295 million to clean up toxic waste at the former... Lockheed Martin military aircraft plant in California. The cause of the toxic waste? You guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> in Franklin, Maryland, state health officials have discovered what caused the mysterious death of 200,000 fish at a Somerset County fish farm. The culprit? You guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> In economic news, unemployment figures rose slightly <laughs> in the month of October with declines in the Dow Jones and NASDAQ. The reason for the sudden downturn? You guessed it. Frank Stallone. <laughs> Thank you, YouTube, for putting this together, whoever uploaded this. Entertainment Weekly's list of the 101 most powerful people in show business is out. I had at no idea. One, Fox CEO Robert Murdoch. And at number two, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> And you didn't notice what that clip was from? No. selling doll this Christmas is Tickle Me Elmo. And the least popular selling doll, you guessed it, Tickle Me Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the story at the end of this clip. And the oh, British Sunday Times is reporting that Belgian doctors have accidentally cloned a human being. The human being? 
You guessed it. Frank Stallone. <laughs> and now there's two of them in the image. Recent photos sent from the Galileo space probe orbiting Jupiter's moon Europa suggests that it meets the conditions necessary to support a primitive life form. Just what kind of life form? You guessed it. Frank Stallone. I had no idea he did this. He did this for like an entire season, like almost every episode. Finally, the votes are in. And Entertainment Weekly has chosen its funniest man alive. And who is the funniest man alive? You guessed it. Frank Stallone. <laughs> Congratulations, Frank Stallone. So, uh, on weekend, Here's the best part. you anchored, uh, Frank Stallone was often a punchline. <laughs> did he know it was coming, or did you ever talk to him afterwards? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> so but I talked to his brother, Sylvester Stallone, <coughs> who hosted the show, <laughs> and he was like, what the f*** with Frank? And I <laughs> so I said, that, you know, it's a complete non sequitur. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And so he told me, you know, he says, the thing with Frank is... You know, after Rocky, he decided to become a boxer. So, you know, he'd go in the ring with, it. He'd say, the, he'd say like the, the Italian stallion's brother. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, every boxer in Philadelphia just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> he goes, he's never been right since, and I feel guilty about it. He goes, you could just lay off him for a while. And I was like, well, so I never did another job. <laughs> That is outstanding. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't, I had to play that. So anyway, goodbye again. We'll be back with Rambo 3. I just want to make sure that that got in the episode.